Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. And uh, they pitched a no-no against the Yankees. Uh, Javier went seven innings, um, no hits, no runs, 13 strikeouts. Really impressive. Uh, And then, of course, they went to their bullpen and only needed uh, two guys out of their bullpen to complete the no-no. Meanwhile, for the Yankees... um, you know, Garrett Cole, another really phenomenal outing. Seven innings, only gave up uh, four hits, one run, eight strikeouts. And so Garrett Cole has definitely been heating, heating up as of late, just unfortunately a pitching duel uh, with a really impressive uh, pitcher from from the Astros, uh, Javier. And, uh, and unfortunately, the Yankees did not win that one. But they're back in action this afternoon. 1.30 will be the first pitch, and you've got Nasty Nestor on the bump. Uh, he's six and three with a two three one ERA. A lot of talk, a lot of speculation in the running to win the American League Cy Young. Dude is great at home uh, with a one five three ERA. I do believe uh, the Yankees split this series because right now, as we know, the Astros two one up on the series is a four game series coming in and um, started on Thursday. And so uh, this is an opportunity for the Yankees to split the series. And I believe that they do that today. Again, big reason why. Nestor, really great at home with a 1-5-3 ERA. Um, also for, for Houston, uh, your giddy is, uh, is, is on the bump for Houston. He's 6-3 and three with a 4-6-8 ERA. But he struggles on the road. His ERA on the road is a 6-2-8. And believe it or not, this is a, uh, an Astros team uh, that uh, are not as good against left-handed pitchers as they are against right. They rank 18th in Major League Baseball against left-handed pitchers. So I do like the Yankees today, and, and you know what? I, I like them on the run line. I'll go minus one and a half runs for the Yankees, and you get that at plus two, plus 120, plus 120. So I, I do believe the Yankees bounce back today. I just, uh, you know, just... Uh, at the end of the listen I know again I I spoke to a few Yankee fans yesterday they were just like oh I can't believe it you know Astro, and, and I'm sure a lot of it has to do with the fact that it is the Astros right that uh that threw the no-no against the Yankees right like we just hate the Astros they're cheaters all that all that comes with that I'm sure it just it's it's still it it irks you it stings a little bit more because it's an Astros team it wasn't like an Orioles team that just had a whose pitcher just had a phenomenal day um, and, and, you know, when that happens, of course, even though it's your opponent, sometimes you feel good for the young guy, but nonetheless, I think it's, it stings a little bit more because it is the Astros and everybody just hates them and everybody thinks they're cheaters and all that other stuff. So anyway, um, I do believe, um, I do believe the Yankees get back into the win, win column today. And I want to open the phone lines. I'm curious, 800 as we know, this Yankees team, they've just they've been unbelievable this season, right? We know it. Best record in Major League Baseball. They've got an 11, 11 game lead uh, in their division up on the Red Sox, 11 and a half against the Blue Jays, which a lot of analysts came in expecting the Blue Jays to win this division, to win the American League East. Far from it right now, 11 and a half games back to the Yankees. The Rays are 12 and a half back. The Orioles, 18 and a half. Why am I even mentioning them? I shouldn't. Um, so, you know, but again, at the same time, you know, you, 
the criticism here is that the Yankees, who have they played? Well, the Yankees can only play who's on their schedule. Yankees don't make the schedule. It's not their fault who they've played. So, uh, but at the same time, when, when you do look at their, at their schedule, you know, how many games, you know, have they faced the Twins? Um, here now, again, they're facing the Astros, 45 wins, 26 losses. Uh, they're they're d- dominating their division as well in the West. They've got a 10 and a half uh, game lead up on um, the Rangers, 12 on Seattle, 12 and a half on the Angels, 22 on the Oakland A's. Oh, man, it's brutal. Um, you know, and so, uh, you know, this is... Uh, Outside of outside of the the central division in the American League, you know these teams are, are are underperforming. Let's be honest, okay? Red Sox, Blue Jays, not what everybody was expected. Even the Rays, um, you know, Kansas City is Kansas City, but you know we we were expecting, of course, the Guardians to play well. White Sox, the central, the most competitive division in the American League. Um, you know, so again, the Yankees can only play who who they can play. But I'm really—I don't know about you, but I'm really excited for the Subway Series. We're not going to see it until July. Unfortunately, the Mets and the Yankees take—they uh, face each other uh, four times in the regular season: two in July, two in August. The two in July are going to be at City. The two in August are going to be in the Bronx um, at uh, at Yankee Stadium. I can't wait. And I think I mentioned this yesterday. Like I'm, I'm, I, I can't. I don't remember when I was more excited about a Subway Series, and rightfully so, right? Like Mets, uh, number one record in uh, in the National League. Some would argue, even though the Dodgers are 44 and 26, uh, the Mets are 47 and 26. Oh, by the way, they've been missing their top two uh, ace pitchers, by the way, for over a month now, and uh, they still have the number one record in the National League. One would argue that the Mets are the best league, best team in the National League. There's a lot of power rankings out there that still have the Dodgers above the Mets. Um, but, man, I, I, I'm really, really stoked. I'm really excited for that Subway Series. Uh, but for Yankee fans out there, open up the phone lines. Based on what you saw yesterday against the Astros, is the narrative out there a, a big concern for you, right? Like, are the Yankees in a situation where... Uh, they're subject to their 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 schedule. They don't pick who they play, but the the American League just hasn't been uber competitive this season. Okay, the National League East, especially the way Atlanta and the Phillies have been playing as of late. The National League West, you know, you got the Padres. They're just one game back to the Roger, to 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 the Dodgers. The the Giants actually uh, six five and a half games back to the Dodgers. Obviously, the National League more competitive this year than the American League, but. Yankee fans, do you have some concerns as we get closer to the postseason? Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people. And you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 800-919-3776. I asked folks out there, uh, you know, based on this Yankee schedule, the biggest criticism is, oh, who have they played? They've had a cake cakewalk schedule. Um, and now just trying to, to split the series today with Houston. I do believe they do, especially with Nasty Nestor at home here uh, in the Bronx. But any concern as we get closer to the postseason that, you know, does this Yankees team have what it takes to win a World Series against the best of the best? Let's go to Mike in Brooklyn. Mike, you're up. Welcome in. How you doing? Um, Hi. I think we don't have – how you doing? Good morning. We don't have any worries. We're winning the games where we're supposed to win. I know we're supposed to annihilate every team that comes down the pipe, but we're doing pretty good. We're going to, we're going to lose one or two, but no worries. <laughs> World Series, October, we're there. So you're just you're you're telling everybody like no worries, don't worry. We're, you were, you'd be more concerned, obviously, if you were uh, if if you were not elevating your talent. A lot of times, you know, teams play to their level of their competition. It happens. That's not what ha- that's not what's happening with the Yankees. Like they're destroying the teams they're supposed to destroy. Um, you know, obviously they go up against and Mike, thanks for the phone call. I appreciate it. Uh, you know, they go up against good competition. Uh, well, teams are going to games are going to be tighter. Games are going to be tighter. You know, but you've got, it sounds like Mike's got confidence that they're still going to win. Let's go to Charlie in Queens. Charlie, welcome in. Good morning. Good morning, Anita. Long time listener. I love your show all the time. I listen to every Sunday. Oh, that's uh, very nice, Charlie. Thank you. Yankees, as far as the Yankee season going thus far, it's another replica of the 98 team. And I'm not, I'm not worried at all. Just like the last caller said, you know, we're doing well. We're doing we're annihilating every team. Yeah, we're gonna lose here and there, but you know what? Like he said, October World Series. We're going all the way. Let's go, Yankees. Let, let me ask you something, Charlie. Before you hang up, um, you know, is it, it based on on what you've seen so far this year? Is it World Series or bust for you? If George Steinbrenner was still alive, yes, <laughs> I do believe. It. I what, what is is that is that an indication of what you think they will or will not do as we get closer to the August trade deadline? What what does that mean? I mean, George Steinbrenner has a mentality: win at all, win at all costs. Do we have to do in order to mm-hmm. win? Because you know we haven't had a title since '09. It's over a decade, and honestly, we need a title. And with this team, we have the talent to do so. I mean, look at the line one through nine. Every player comes in the clutch when we need it. Look at Hicks did a couple of nights ago. Trevino stepping up. Everyone in this lineup steps up. The rotation is dominating. The bullpen is dominating. We're going to get our pieces back, uh, you know, Chapman and everyone. This team is unbeatable. And like I said before, I'm not worried. And like every other Yankee fan, they shouldn't be worried at all. Well, I mean, Charlie, they are beatable. In fact, you had a Houston Astros team that pitched a no-no against them yesterday, so it's it's not like they are they are unbeatable. Okay. 
Okay. But, okay. We're gonna run into we're gonna run into losses here and there, but not to a point where we, you know, like a losing streak, like a, a five six game losing streak, like we had in the past couple of years. But right. with this team, you know, it's it's totally different. I think they have a different mentality than ever, and I believe, uh, you know, we're gonna go all the way this year. Okay, that's fair. Charlie, appreciate the phone call. 800-919-3776. Um, if, if you want to get in and, and talk about the Yankees, now's the time to do so. Again, Brian Hoke from MLB.com is going to be joining us. Um, also, uh, well, okay, we, we've got quite a few calls coming in. So why don't we go to Scott in Rockland? Scott, welcome in. Okay. Um, Working on working on our, our call base, 800-919-3776. Some other news, um, you know, talking about the starting pitching. And, you know, it's very interesting. I've been very critical of Chapman. I mean, I've been very critical of, of Brian Cashman uh, in, in the way that he's been structuring this team, right? Because as we know, it's all about starting pitching in order to win World Series. And, and I've been very critical, like, you know, Cashman's been focusing on, the, on this rota- on, on the lineup, focusing on the lineup. And the lineup is, has been terrific. And, and a big reason why uh, the Yankees do have the best record in Major League Baseball. And to my surprise, and I've said this before, you know, you need more than just one ace. Um, and, and Garrett Cole's the ace. But, man, Nestor stepped up. Severino stepped up. Um, it's it's really really been unbelievable. So I, I I do tip my hat to Cashman. I've been very critical uh, the last year and a half, two years of uh, of just focusing on the lineup and not necessarily bringing in another ace in the rotation. Uh, but boy, everybody is delivering. That's for sure. Okay, we're ready. Let's go to Scott in Rockland. Scott, welcome in. Hey, good morning, Anita. Big fan of the show. Thank, thank you last year for helping me out in my fantasy football. Once again, <laughs> you and Canty have come through again for me, so I appreciate you, my friend. Oh, um, that's so I wanna, nice. I'm a, Met, I'm a Mets fan, so, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying this whole run that New York's going on, of course. Um, the big problem is, is Yankee fans are too spoiled, you know. Um, they have to worry about, obviously, Houston in October. They don't want to face them in October. Um, but at the same time, I, they're just – so spoiled and convoluted when, you know, there are other teams that can, you know, ultimately, you know, take them out, um, you know, during October. Um, as a Mets fan, I'm, I'm still not sold into everything. Um, you know, this is kind of uh, – we're going through pitching purgatory right now. Um, we are looking good. But, again, I'm still concerned as a Mets fan because we still got the Braves and that division is going to be tough. But we'll, we'll see what goes. I would love to have a World Series um, – you know, Subway Series, that would be awesome for, for New York. I think would bring a lot of revenue back. But we'll see how it goes. Thank you for the call. I appreciate it. You got it, Scott. Thank you for the call. Actually, you called me, boo. You called me. Without further ado, uh, Brian Hoke from MLB.com joins us now on 98.7 ESPN. Good morning, Brian. How you doing? Good morning, Anita. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Your thoughts on uh, on the no-no you saw yesterday from the Houston Astros? <laughs> I did not see that coming. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, this is actually the first one I've gotten to uh, see in person, so that was pretty uh, pretty memorable, I think. Um, you know, I just think that it's surprising with this Yankee offense that uh, anybody could hold them hitless. But, um, you know, I think that my, my big takeaway from this weekend so far is 
look, if the Yankees are going to get where they want to go, their road is probably going to go through Houston. And uh, I, I think that you put these two teams in a uh, best of seven ALCS. I think it's going to be a great show to see. Hopefully we get to see it uh, in October, but uh, I think these are two very evenly matched teams and, uh, yeah, the Yankees will try to get a series split here this afternoon. You know, Brian, one of the biggest criticisms is, uh, especially from um, anti-Yankers, um, and that is, uh, you know, <laughs> well, well, their schedule is so soft. Like, who have they played? Once they go up against teams that they're going to potentially see in the postseason, uh, then, you know, things get a lot more tight. You know, they're not blowing teams out of the water like 15-3. to 3. You know, at the same time, you can say, well, it's it's not like the Yankees pick their schedule. They play who Major League Baseball puts in front of them to play. But your thoughts, is, is there any merit to that? Is there any weight into the fact that their schedule has been pretty soft? Well, what I would say is they're in a stretch right now where they're playing only teams with winning records, and they've taken care of business against Tampa Bay, against Toronto. I think Houston and the Yankees are the two best teams in the American League, so it's not surprising that the talent level has gone up here and that it is a tougher matchup to go against Houston because this is the cream of the crop. And like I said, this is a team they're going to need to go through to get where they want to be. Um, So, look, you can only beat the teams that are on the schedule. You can only beat the team that's on the field in front of you. And they've certainly done that. They've taken care of business against the Baltimores of the world. Um, They fattened up their record on them. But uh, I would argue that they have done what they need to do against teams of better competition too, like a Tampa Bay, like a Toronto. And, uh, you know, I think that Houston is just a notch above those guys. And really uh, the Yankees and the Astros, these are the two best teams in the American league. They proved it. You've got uh, Nasty Nestor pitching for the Yankees later on today. Again, first pitch is at 130. Uh, he's been great at home with a 1.53 ERA. His last start, not so great. I lost some money there, but uh, we'll shelf that for a second. Uh, your thought on, uh, on Nasty Nestor, and, and, and really for a large part, part of the season, his name has been in the discussion of winning the American League Cy Young. I'm sure added motivation there for him, especially today. Yeah, I don't know if he's going to be the Cy Young, but I think that this is a remarkable season for Nestor Cortez. He's been one of the best stories in all of baseball, and I, I think that inevitably there was going to be a little bit of a drop-off as the teams get to scouting is so good in this league and then you, you can't keep a secret forever um but, but i think that nestor cortez has proved that he belongs to be a major league starting pitcher i mean this guy's going to go to the all-star game he, he should I, I could make an argument that he could be starting the all-star game and so uh nestor cortez just been sensational for this yankee team i think that uh, my concern with Nestor is that he's never thrown more than, I believe, 95 innings in a season. And so uh, he sees no reason why he can't get up to the 140, 150, 160 mark. But at some point, they're going to be easing off him a little bit here just to make sure he's ready for when the games really count in September and October. And so you saw that last time out when he was down at Tropicana Field. And he ran into some trouble, didn't have his best stuff going in that star to meter that you lost some money on. And um, <laughs> rather than let him out there to try and figure it out, Aaron Boone came with a quick hook. And so I think that you might see that a little bit. When he gets into trouble, the leash might be shorter on him than, say, uh, a Garrett Cole, just for the fact that they're trying to maintain him and, and take care of that arm and make sure he's ready for uh, postseason starts. Brian Hoke joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. You mentioned Garrett Cole. His last few outings have been really impressive. Like I said, uh, pitched a no-no into the fifth. 
um, outshadowed, of course, with the fact that uh, what what the Astros were able to do against the Yankees yesterday. But nonetheless, you look at his last three outings, uh, he's been pretty, pretty fantastic. Um, Your thoughts of Cole moving forward? Yeah, actually, if you take out, uh, there was one rough start in there. If you take that one out, uh, he's been very impressive. There was one start that really uh, dented his numbers. I think that what you've seen the last three times out with Garrett is he was experimenting with this cutter a little bit, and he dusted that off. It was a pitch that he hadn't thrown in a while, and he got some early results with it. But I think that uh, he gave up some home runs in the, uh, the start at Minnesota, and I think that after that, uh, he decided to go back to his bread and butter and what really works best for him. And uh, now you're kind of seeing the classic Garrett Cole again. And uh, I think that uh, this is a guy that I know it was a bumpy start in the beginning of the year. He has figured it out. Um, this He's coming back. He is the ace of the staff. Uh, I know Nestor Cortez has been a great story. But uh, when, when the postseason comes around, Garrett Cole is going to be starting game one for this team. And so to see him get back on the right track, build some confidence here, uh, give the Yankees a chance to win every single time he takes the ball. I mean, that's what you're paying him the big money for, and uh, he's delivering on that. So I know that the the offense got shut down yesterday, but Garrett made one bad pitch, really, uh, yesterday. Gave up a, a home run to a left-handed hitter, and it was a solo shot. And if, uh, if you can tell me Garrett Cole is going to throw seven innings and give up one run, I'll take that every single time out because – uh, it's not very often this Yankee offense is going to get to hell to, uh, well, hell hitless, but uh, they, they can usually come back from a one-run deficit. Um, what's up with Donaldson? Why is there so much drama around him all the time? <laughs> I, I think that, you know, I go back to what uh, Brian Cashman said when they traded for him back in March, and uh, he said that Donaldson is going to bring an edge, going to bring some grit to this team, and I think we've seen it. Uh, here that I think he rubs the people the wrong way on, on the other side. He's the, the kind of guy that when he's on your side, for the most part, you're happy that he's there. Uh, certainly that's the vibe that I get in the clubhouse, that guys uh, consider him a good teammate. You know, Aaron Boone was asked about him the other day. Uh, said, you know, I, I got no problem with J.D. because he busts his butt. But, yeah, when you're bat flipping uh, a ground rule double and then there, there's some other things, some jawing going on there, and, of course, the whole – uh, Tim Anderson thing with the White Sox. There has been some drama with Josh Donaldson. There's no doubt about it. And, uh, you know, I, I think that when a guy like that is producing, uh, you, you, you're okay with it. I, I think that the offensive performance, though, has not been there for Donaldson this year. And so um, there's there's been a lot of a lot of fireworks. But, uh, you know, I would put it this way. There's been a lot of sizzle but not a lot of steak. And so uh, the Yankees are confident that Donaldson can still get back to his all-star form. But, yeah, there's, uh, there's, there's definitely been a lot of noise around him this year, no doubt. Um, looking at uh, some news on, on Chapman coming off the IL soon, what does that mean for Clay Holmes, who's got 12 saves on the season? How, how do you see this bullpen rounding out? Yeah, well, you know, we were talking to Aaron Boone about that yesterday, and he said that he laughs about the fact that people are so caught up about where Chapman's going to pitch because uh, getting a healthy Chapman back should make, in theory, the Yankee bullpen better. And they'll get Jonathan Weisga back at some point, too. So uh, they've got some reinforcements coming. Uh, it's a, For Clay Holmes, he deserves to be the closer, right? But I think that the way they, they, they plan on deploying Holmes is you can face the toughest outs in the order in the seventh inning. The game can be decided in the seventh. It can be decided in the eighth. Uh, it's not necessarily just those last three outs in the ninth. And so 
while Chapman is coming back for the ninth inning, um, you know, I think that Holmes could get more important assignments. I, I, at least that's a working theory. I, I think that you're going to see Clay Holmes close some more games. He's going to get some saves opportunities here. He certainly earned it. Clay Holmes, you know, we talked about Nestor Cortez being an all-star. Clay Holmes an all-star in my book, and he should be going out to that uh, that game in Los Angeles. Uh, you know, he's arguably got the best pitch in baseball right now with that bowling ball sinker. And so uh, Clay Holmes has really done something special with this team. So whether Chapman comes back and gets the ninth inning or whatever they want to do, uh, that doesn't take away from the job that Clay Holmes has done because he has just been absolutely fantastic. Again, Brian Hoke joining us here uh, covering all things Yankees for MLB.com. As we get closer to the trade deadline, which is uh, the, the beginning of August, um, what do you anticipate the Yankees to do? Uh, do you anticipate them to go after anyone? What, what, what do you envision here? Yeah, I, I think that you've got right here a team that has a very good chance of winning a World Series, and you need to do everything you can to reinforce that. So if that means giving up some prospects to – to make those chances uh, a little bit better, you got to do it because it's it, 2009 was a long time ago. Um, and the Yankees are built to win the World Series, and uh, when you haven't won a championship since 09, you really need to pull out all the stops. So, you know, there's some talk about the, the Yankees being interested in Luis Castillo or the Reds. I kind of predicted that back in spring training. I said that the, at some point that could be on the radar here. I think that. You might be interested in a catcher if you can get, say, Wilson Contreras from Chicago. I know Jose Trevino has been terrific behind the plate, but if you can upgrade your catching, uh, you'd like to do that. Uh, I think that I would look for the Yankees to try to move Joey Gallo. Uh, I have no confidence that Gallo will be on this team past August. Uh, you know, I think that it's been a really rough go for him. And at some point, I know they've given him every opportunity to, to break through, but at some point, you just got to say, can we find somebody better than this? And you know, I think Andrew Benatendi in Kansas City would be a fantastic upgrade uh, if you can do that. Uh, like I said, but the the problem is this comes with a cost, right? And so to get any of the names I just mentioned, you're going to have to give up some of your talent from the from the minor leagues guys that the Yankees are excited about. But um, you know, these opportunities, these windows to win the World Series, don't come around that often, especially with Aaron Judge and a, a potential contract walk year here. Um, yeah, I, I would go for it. I would try to get a ring this year and uh, then worry about that next year. Uh, and let's end on that, Brian, uh, in regard to uh, what took place this week with uh, with Aaron Judge. Again, the Yankees offering $17 million for his 2022 salary. Uh, the Judge camp wanted 20 They agreed to 19 Avoid arbitration. Also, $250,000 incentive uh, to win the MVP and then $250,000 incentive to win the World Series MVP. So an opportunity to make some more money on, on that note. But, uh, you know, based on how this played out, any optimism how the offseason is going to play out in regard to the new deal that Judge and his camp are looking for? I think, you know, first of all, I think that I don't understand why it took so long to figure that out to meet in the middle of, of 17 and 21. You know, we can all do simple math and say 19 is the halfway point and just, just give them that. And, uh, you know, that eventually is why uh, where it landed, but I don't know why there was so much dramatics about it. Um, I, I think that one thing I have my takeaway here is that Aaron Judge does want to stay in New York. He wants to be a Yankee, but there is a side to him that can put that all aside and say, this is business and I'm going to get paid. And he wants to get paid in that Mike Trout money. He wants to, his contract is going to have a three on the front of it, not a two. And so he's going to get that 300 million deal. He bet on himself. 
credit to him uh, because when Brian Cashman gave us those numbers, remember back on opening day, I wrote it down in my notebook and I looked at it and I said, hmm, that's a pretty good deal. I don't think I could have walked away from that kind of money. Uh, but Judge said, I'm worth more than that. He's gone out and proved it. He is right. And, um, look, he's going to have a, a lot of other opportunities here. I think that every owner in the sport should be lining up to, to offer Aaron Judge money after this year. Um, so the Yankees are going to have to bid against other teams for the first time uh, for Aaron Judge. And, um, you know, we'll see how far Hal Steinbrenner intends to go. But uh, to me, Judge belongs in New York. He should be a Yankee. Um, I think that his value is better as the, you know, I was going to say right fielder, but I guess he's the center fielder now. Um, he is the star. He is the face of the franchise. And so um, you go stick him in some other uniform, it just doesn't have the same feel to me. He should be in New York City. He's a star. He's the best player on this team. So the Yankees need to step up and keep him here. Yeah, but isn't the key it really the, the uh, not the key, but really uh, the obstacle here um, is that he wants 10 years. He's 30 30 years old. We know baseball players, there's very few 38, 39, 40-year-old baseball players that are crushing the cover off the ball like he is this season. So, you know, do you see this something being like, do you think if if the Yankees offer him something like seven years, $40 million, where now you're getting paid more per year than Trout, but but the Yankees aren't on the hook for a lengthy 10-year deal, do you think that's something that his camp might accept? It might be one way to go. I'm sure the Yankees have certainly thought about that. Uh, but I think that the, the the wild card is what are the other teams going to offer. And so uh, the Yankees are going to have to have the best offer on the table. I don't know if there's going to be a hometown discount at the end. Um, so I think that Judge, despite the fact that his heart seems to be in this clubhouse and that he wants to be a Yankee, I think that um, this is his one big payday. As you mentioned, this is a, he's not going to get a second free agent contract. This is his shot to cash in and uh, I think that the fact that he was willing to go into an arbitration hearing on the day of a game and said he was probably going to miss that game if the arbitration hearing went um, because he was going to be sitting in front of a Zoom for five or six hours to kind of fight for himself I think that shows that when the season is over and everything's said and done and you know I'm sure the Yankees hope it ends in a parade when that's over Judge is going to get down to business and um, he's going to get what he believes he's worth Great stuff as always, Brian. So appreciate your time on this Sunday morning. Enjoy the rest of your uh, your Sunday fun day, my friend. You got it. Thanks, Anita. You got it. Brian Hoke, make sure you follow him on all things social media and, uh, and check out his work on MLB.com covering all things Yankees. By the way, this portion of the show brought to you by Superbook Sports. Superbook is live in New Jersey. Visit Superbook.com for all the latest odds, promotions. Um, have a gambling problem? Make sure you call 1-800-GAMBLER. <laughs> It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, 
Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Moke Hamilton joins us. Uh, always thrilled to have Moke on the show with us each and every Sunday. Moke, good morning. How you doing? Good, good morning. But what, what are you talking about with uh, drama? What, what drama are you talking about? I don't know Seriously? About. <laughs> Never a dull <laughs> moment when it comes to the Knicks or the Nets as of late. Uh, where do we start? Let's start with the Knicks first and foremost. Draft night. They trade the number 11 pick. Of course, they get rid of Kimball Walker. Now the Knicks are sitting with 11 first round picks in the next seven years. So um, a lot of draft capital to focus on their future. But the talk of the town is the Knicks are going to put together this unbelievable offer to go after Jalen Brunson from the Dallas Mavericks. Your thoughts on what happened on draft night, as well as your thoughts on the Knicks going after Brunson in free agency. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the way that I feel about it is uh, having the picks is obviously a good thing for the franchise. You know, in the NBA, Anita, picks are currency. You know what I mean? You can... You know, you can utilize them on the open market to get other things that you need. Me, me personally, I don't really think that the Knicks are going to end up exercising the gross majority of these picks. I think that most of these picks are going to be used, unless the, unless the leadership or the front office changes. Um, and I'm not saying that I think that's going to happen. I think these picks are ultimately going to end up being packaged in trades, whether it be for, you know, a, a superstar player along the lines of a Donovan Mitchell or a Bradley Beal or somebody like that that wants to shake loose from their current situation, or if it's in a situation where exactly like we saw on draft night, the Knicks attached a pick to a couple of picks actually to Kemba Walker to get away from his salary so that they can get salary cap space to make a run at somebody. So again, I think having the picks generally speaking is a good thing because it means that you have assets uh available that you can use to make deals but um yeah i i think i think that's how i feel and as far as jalen brunson is concerned i I think that he would be a tremendous help to the franchise i think he'd be a shot in the arm he's a a a young up-and-coming point guard that has obviously shown some flashes of great potential and would they be overpaying for him if he ends up getting a four-year, $100 million deal, which is what most people are, are, are seeming to think the Knicks are going to end up offering? Maybe a little bit. But sometimes when you add a, a, a good dynamic point guard to a team that has surrounding pieces, it kind of helps to make everything else fall into place. So I do think that it could be a good acquisition if it does come to fruition for, for Leon Rose and his front office. Yeah, I mean, you talk about, you know, right now what we're hearing is it's a four-year deal around $100 million, but the Knicks could offer a max of 130. Meanwhile, Dallas, um, they've created a lot of cap space room where they can offer anywhere between five years all the way up to $175.45 million. So you're talking about a $45 million discrepancy. But I talked about this yesterday, right? Like, what do the Knicks have in their back pocket? Well, they've got Daddy Rick Brunson, who's part of the coaching staff. Um, you know, this is a family from originally from South Jersey, by the way. His mom apparently still lives on the shore and is a huge Giants fan, but grew up in Illinois. So knew the Bulls extremely well, know Tibbs extremely well. Leon Rose was his former agent. 
Derek Rose was a huge mentor for him growing up as a child. As we know, the Knicks need a point guard. A lot of cachet playing here at the Garden, especially if you're the lead point guard for the Knicks. Um, I mean, the, the, the list goes on and on here in regard to what the Knicks have in, the ba- in their back pocket that might outweigh the $45 million. But $45 million is $45 million, Moke. Yeah, for sure. Well, let, let me tell you this, Anita. Um, n- none of that stuff is going to matter if the Mavericks outbid the Knicks, right? Like at the end of the day, sure, coming back to the Garden and, you know, being uh, seeing your dad every day, you know, some some guys like that kind of stuff. Some guys like playing in their backyard and having all those guys, and some guys don't. There are some players that like playing away from home because there's less distractions and there's frankly less pressure in a lot of situations. So I'm not going to make it seem like I know Jalen Brunson and I, and I know what he thinks or what appeals to him. But what I do know at the end of the day is most NBA players want to maximize their earning potential and if your incumbent team is going to outbid a free agent suitor to the tune of 30 or $40 million, most non-superstar players that, you know, if you're a guy like a Kyrie Irving or Kevin Durant and you think you can make that money up in endorsements, then maybe you'd consider taking that kind of pay cut. But uh, a player like Jalen Brunson, you know, I mean, nice player. I'm not sure that people are – touting him as a future perennial all-star or, or a Hall of Famer, if he has the opportunity to get 30 or $40 million more million from Dallas, I don't see him turning that down. That said, Mark Cuban of all NBA owners, the reason why people think the Knicks have a chance here really is because of what Dallas's payroll situation and what their ledger looks like at the moment without any money committed to Jalen Brunson, especially after, um, after some of the moves that they've made you know, over the past couple of years, including signing Luka Doncic to his max extension. So, so basically, if you're Dallas, you already have over $150 million committed in payroll to next season. And if you add another $30 million for Jalen Brunson, by the time you, you flesh out this roster over the next couple of years without making other moves, right? You think about Tim Hardaway Jr., you think about Spencer Dinwiddie, think about some of the other players that they have big commitments to. Dallas is going to be a team that is really locked into their current roster. They wouldn't have much flexibility, and in all likelihood, they'd be a luxury tax team. So really, they've played this thing very close to the vest to this point, but knowing how astute of an owner and how well Dallas understands the the salary cap and how having uh, too much money committed can, can hamstring your ability to build your team, that's why a lot of people don't think that they'd be willing to approach the $25 million, $30 million a year range for Jalen Brunson. He might just be a luxury that is too rich for them to afford. And I think that's something that they're probably weighing in their front office as we speak at this very moment. Moog Hamilton joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. Uh, listen, I- I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play, I'm, I'm going to play negative Nelly here. Okay. Um, one, one could say that a big reason why Brunson has had success in Dallas is because he's playing aside, aside Luca, who, by the way, has the most usage, um, of any player in the NBA at 37%. So Luca's got the ball. It opens up so much for, um, everybody around him, open looks, good looks at the basket. Meanwhile, 
Um, now, here is the positive. Uh, you know, Brunson is a healthy guy. He's played 61 of, of six, uh, 61 of 79 games. Doesn't get injured that often. Averages 16 points, four assists, four rebounds a game, shooting 50% of the field, 37% from downtown. I, I guess my question to you is, but, but yet again, playing alongside Luka. There's no Luka here in New York, right? So right. with that being said, like, do you feel that he's worth the $25 million a year, Moke? I, I mean... You know, we've seen yeah. I, in, in, in the course of free agency, we've seen guys get get paid and you sit back and you go, what? You know, are you kidding me? That guy's not worth that much money. And and that's because the NBA is making money. They've got great, uh, you know, uh, broadcasting deals with ESPN, this and that. Like teams have to spend a certain amount of money. We know all that. So that's why a big reason why teams are, are, are paying more for certain players. But like, do you think do you feel Brunson is worth the twenty five million four year twenty five million dollar a year deal? I think it's a little more than I'd want to pay personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I will say that you know if if I could get him for you know eighty million over four years, I think I'd like that a lot more. Um, but what I will say about that, Anita, is I think and I've struggled with this myself, right? For those of us that have been following the NBA for a long time, you know, you've been following for you know ten years, fifteen years, whatever. I think that we're still having trouble coming to grips with the reality of the NBA's new economic system, okay? The league, as, you, as you've mentioned, the league has had an influx of capital over the past couple of years that has tripled their, their, their TV revenue, if I'm not mistaken. So once upon a time, we would think of $20 million a year as a lot of money. Got, uh, in a not-too-distant past, LeBron James, you know, wasn't making $20 million in a season. The highest-paid players in the league weren't making $20 million in a season. This, now, in this day and age, $20 million a year is really not that much money to pay for a player that – to play for a starting-caliber player. I mean, just look at it this way. Uh, the Knicks have Derrick Rose under contract for this coming season at $14.5 million. And Derrick Rose is probably not going to be a starter for the team. Evan Fournier, the Knicks have on their ledger for $18 million for the coming season. And if you look across the rest of the league, I mean, much of the same can be said. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie on Dallas, he's under contract for Dallas this coming season at $20.1 million. So the $20 million, I think there's a bit of sticker shock for us where we say, oh, man, $20 million. And you hear Aaron Judge, right? Aaron Judge is getting paid $19 million this coming season. So when you look at it that way and you compare it, you're like, wow, like Aaron, Aaron Judge is only making $19 million. They're going to pay Jalen Brunson $25 million. But, again, you just have to be – you have to understand um, the new day and age in the NBA as it relates to what these players' salaries are. And I will say that $25 million per year, again, it's more than I would want to pay, but not by an egregious amount. You know, if I could get him for $20 million a year, then I would probably be happier with that, and I would think that that would be normal. Um, the other thing I will just say quickly, Anita, as far as him benefiting from playing with Luka Doncic, and I feel like I'm like on, on the soapbox here, like advocating for Jalen Brunston. And I'm not even necessarily doing that. I'm just trying to sort of provide provide perspective you know um i i will point out that this past season uh brunson played 17 games without luca in those 17 games without him he gave you 20 points seven and a half assists and 3.9 rebounds a game um and some of his best and most 
explosive performances and most dynamic performances this season came with Luka out of the lineup. So I think there is at least some evidence to say that playing with Luka could actually be holding him back a little bit. And I think that's what really has the Knicks so enthusiastic about the prospect of adding him. They, they probably think uh, he has a lot of untapped potential and that his ceiling is his growth is, might actually be being stunted by playing off the ball so much in Dallas with Luka Doncic. So it just depends on what your perspective is and, and how much higher you think uh, you know, Brunson can, can ascend on the, the talent spectrum in the NBA. Interesting. Again, Mo Hamilton joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. Obviously, in order for this to happen, the Knicks are going to have to make some uh, some some you know some wheeling in, in dealing, waving uh, Gibson, possibly trading Burks, trading uh, Noel, yeah. um, and then of course I, I think it's really crucial they bring Robinson back. I do like Robinson. I don't know. I, I know that there's uh, some talk and speculation in regard to his birds rights. Um, but let's turn our attention before we let you go. Let's turn our attention to what's going on with the Nets and Kyrie Irving wanting a long-term deal with the Nets. Uh, the Nets front office as well as ownership is like, no, 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 no. Short-term deal with a lot of incentives. Why not? Uh, you know, let's not forget this is a dude who was not willing to get vaccinated and did not play for home at home games for quite a while. Um, here's the thing with me when it comes to Kyrie. So much drama. He's a drama king. Everywhere he goes, yeah. it's drama, right? Cleveland, yeah. Boston, now here in New York. And, and then and then he and then he and then he 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 his list of teams that he wants to go play for outside of New York, he drops that on on draft night. So you're gonna steal the shine from a lot of these young cats that are coming out of college? I mean, dude, what are you doing? Um, on top of that, now there's talk and speculation. You know, they they let Kyrie go. What happens with KD? He's got a four year deal with the Nets, but then does he force a trade out of New York? Can Kyrie and KD not be a part of the Brooklyn Nets next year? What are you hearing here, Moke? Uh, I mean, I as far as what I'm hearing, I think that there are. I'll tell you this: there there are are a lot of people around the Nets organization that think that this is mostly posturing. I will say that. Um, most people think that the Nets, I, I'm sorry, I wouldn't say most people, but I would say from what I hear, there are people that think that this is really just a game of chicken. The Nets want to protect themselves um, against, uh, you know, Kyrie not playing games and not showing up and, and not being reliable. And Kyrie, obviously, at this at this stage in Kyrie's career, you know, this, this might be his one of his last opportunities to cash in on a big four or five year deal. So it's at the end of the day, like this is a business and in negotiations and tough negotiations, you need leverage. Kyrie doesn't really have that much leverage because his market, his market value has taken such a, a hit uh, just based on everything that's happened the past couple of years. So he has to try to drum some up. And the way you drum some up is by saying, oh, well, I'm willing to go play here. I'm willing to go play there. But, you know, the truth of the matter is that the teams that he mentioned, none of them have cap space. Um, so they would have to be uh, – the, the Nets would have to help Kyrie go somewhere else. And um, the thing with Brooklyn is where do you go from there? You know, like they're kind of painted into a bit of a corner as it relates to Kyrie Irving because with despite everything – 
if Kyrie can get on the court and give you 70 games next season and Ben Simmons is relatively healthy and Kevin Durant continues to be who he is, I mean, just with those three guys, Brooklyn is going to be one of the top three favored teams in the conference in all likelihood. You trade Kyrie Irving, you end up getting cents on the dollar back. Uh, it hurts the team's morale, I would think. It hurts your relationship with Kevin Durant, I would think. And overall, I'm just not sure that it gets the team closer to competing for a championship. So that, that's why I would ultimately expect them to work things out. But we've all, anyone who's been covering Kyrie for the past few years, you know that, you know, you're not, you're not really going to bet on him because he can be very, very uh, unpredictable, for lack of a better term. And he is unrestricted. So I would keep that in mind. But at the end of the day, I think they work it out because I don't really think either side has as much leverage as they want the other to think they have. And truth of the matter is that the Nets and Kyrie Irving both kind of need each other a little bit. So I think they end up working it out. And therefore, you anticipate that both Kyrie and KD will still be on the Nets next year? I would think so. That that would be my prediction. And I think that they'll be one of the top teams in the conference as long as everybody's relatively healthy, Ben Simmons included. Yeah. I mean, that's another thing. We don't know, you know, what, what are realistic expectations for Ben Simmons next year, right? Um, right. Moke, always great to have you on. Thank you so much. Love your insight, my friend. Uh, enjoy the rest of your Sunday fun day. My pleasure. You enjoy yours too. You got it. Moke Hamilton joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. A lot to unpack. I'll open up the phone lines, 800-919-3776. Knicks fans, uh, you know, how do you feel about this whole, uh, you know, Brunson situation? You know, everything I'm reading each and every day, it's looking more and more like the Knicks are going to put together this unbelievable package. It's not just the money. It's the opportunity to come here and play with his dad. The history uh, with Tibbs as well as Derrick Rose. His mother lives here apparently allegedly on, on, on the Jersey Shore, big Giants fan, come home, play back at home, quote-unquote, born in South Jersey, back at the Garden. Is, is all that weight better than what the Mavs potentially could offer him? And is he worth it, really? And, 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 and what the makeup of this team then with Brunson at the point guard position, you know, how competitive can they be in the East? This is click, 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 or don't. Very simply, here's the headline. Are you interested in clicking or not? All right, time for click or don't click. Uh, Fun way we take our tour around our wide, wide world of sport. We find out what is trending based on the headlines that are out there. And uh, our producers always lead the way. Tom is producing today. So, Tom, what you got for us? Well, Anita, you say this segment is a fun way to kind of delve into the world of sports, but this first story is not a fun story because we get to talk about Deshaun Watson and his scheduled NFL disciplinary hearing Mm -hmm. scheduled for Tuesday. So if you don't know, Deshaun Watson will meet with Sue Robinson, the NFL and the NFLPA's jointly appointed disciplinary officer. And Robinson, this is according to ESPN's Adam Schefter, by the way, We'll listen as the NFL expects a push for a, quote, lengthy suspension for Watson while the NFLPA defends him. If you don't remember, he was once facing 24 civil lawsuits that accused him of things such as sexual assault and inappropriate conduct, among other things, during massage sessions. And he's agreed up to 20 of those cases at this point. Four of them still remain unturned. 
And just a note on Robinson real quickly before I throw it to you, Anu- to you Anita. Uh, she has no track record of ruling on any cases involving NFL players, but one source believed that a decision from her could come with a week or come within a week. It might also take up until training camp. We just don't know that for sure. But, I mean, just your thoughts on Watson, like, right now, Anita, because this is hopefully going to be a lengthy suspension for him given the activity that we've heard coming from him so far. I mean, there's there's a lot to unpack here. And, again, so um, this, this hearing is going to take place on Tuesday. Everything that I'm reading and I'm hearing is that the NFL um, wants a lengthy suspension, a year if not more. Okay, I'm sure the NFLPA is going to fight that back. Uh, Keep in mind, the Cleveland Browns offered him a fire, didn't offer him, signed him to a five year, two hundred and thirty million dollar deal. And and of course, uh, traded the farm to get him. So if this does hold up and he's and he's suspended for a year, if not more, it's a huge hit for Cleveland for sure. Now, um, I don't know. I, I, I'm not privy to. I don't know if there's any stipulations in this contract that if he is suspended, he doesn't get paid for the days or the year this would be um, for his suspension. I, I don't know those details. Um, but also, you know, what a Cle- what does Cleveland do in regard to a starting quarterback position? Right. Like if I'm Baker Mayfield, I'm not with all due respect, like I, like it, it's interesting. Right. And and I do want to open up the phone lines here. Eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. And we'll take your calls. Um, on this, if you're Baker Mayfield, do you, cause I've had this discussion in this debate with friends of mine. If, if, uh, if, if Watson is suspended for the year and you're Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns come back to you and say, Hey dude, we need you. Do you eat crow? Do you, do you eat a piece of humble pie and get back into that organization and ball out and have like the best year of your life knowing that you're balling out for what's to come because right now there's not a lot of teams. It's not like, Hey, listen, Seattle needs a quarterback. They're not busting down the door for Baker Mayfield. Carolina needs a quarterback. They're not busting down the door for Baker Mayfield. They're just not. So if you're Baker Mayfield and Deshaun Watson is suspended for the year and, and the, the Cleveland Browns come back on hands and knees, begging you to come play back, play for them this year. Are you like, no, you screwed me. No way. I'm not playing for you. Uh-uh. No. I, go with Jacoby Brissett. That's your backup. I have no, I am not stepping foot back into that organization. I want nothing to do with you. Or does Baker say, okay, you know what? You want to use me? I'm going to use you just, just equally the same. I'm going to ball out this season. And I'm going to ball, ball out to the point where I'm, I'm playing for my future on another team. I want to show other teams that I'm a character guy. Um, I'm good in the locker room and I can win ball games. So, you know, if you're Baker Mayfield, what do you do? How do you advance? If in fact the NFL, and again, reports are, they want a lengthy suspension here. They want a one year suspension for Deshaun Watson. So if that happens now, what if this, what if they come down with a year and, um, then he appeals and then there's some type of settlement. Listen, I don't believe that Deshaun Watson is going to get anything less than six games. Okay. I don't believe that he's going to get anything less than six game suspension, 
which I'm sure makes Jets fans very happy. But with that being said, even with a six-game suspension, if you're Baker Mayfield, same philosophy, same mentality, get in there, ball out, show everybody what you can do so that a team will, be, will, will, will come knocking in regard to possibly trading for you after that six-game suspension. It's very interesting to see how there, there's, there's, like I said, there's a lot of layers here, right? Uh, the first layer is this hearing. What is the NFL going to come down with? How does the NFL PA respond? Um, what's the appeal process? W- you know, whatever he does appeal, if it is one year, then does it, does it get uh, diminished down to six games? Uh, that's one layer. Number two is, what do the Cleveland Browns do about a quarterback? You know, what do they do with Baker Mayfield? What do they do with Jacoby Brissett? So, you know, there, there's just, there, there's so much, there's so much here to discuss and, and, to, and, and to anticipate. It's, it's kind of wild. Also, just a quick note, um, you know, the 24 women that were a part of the lawsuit, 20 of them have settled. So there's four that were that that did not settle, and I don't know if a non-disclosure agreement was a part of that. I know there, there we had Jenny Vrentas who did a phenomenal job, um, you know, taking the story to another level in regard to reporting that in a over a little over a one-year period of time, um, Deshaun Watson had over 60 massage therapists that he booked, and many of those appointments were at a hotel in Houston that the Houston Texans provided for him. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. So, um, you know, the, the Cleveland Browns did not speak to a lot of these women. Apparently the NFL were not able to speak to a lot of these women that I don't understand why, but, um, but again, reports this past week is that Deshaun Watson agreed to a settlement with 20 of the 24 and again, I'm not sure if the reason that the other four did not settle was because they weren't willing to sign a non-disclosure agreement where they couldn't talk about the specifics of this case. So there's a lot to unpack here. This is an onion. There's a lot going on. And this week is going to be really, really interesting, Tom. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack with Watson. And of course, we're going to be hearing more, hopefully, when the hearing is over. And hopefully, we'll get a kind of, I guess, closure, I guess, at least from the NFL's end once the suspension is announced. Um, But, of course, we still have to get closure for the women involved in the remaining civil lawsuits as well, Anita. But I want to turn things over to a from a heartbreaking story to a heartwarming story, Anita. And I don't know if you heard about the story of Bo Dowling at the Chicago White Sox game recently over this past week. So, Bo is a kid who beat a high-rush neuroblastoma as a toddler, and now at the age of seven, unfortunately, he's been diagnosed with thyroid cancer. Oh, Um, So what the White Sox did was they brought him in for a day. They gave him a jersey. They brought him into the clubhouse to have a great time, get to meet the team, interact with the team. You could just see the smile on his face if you go look up um, on the Chicago White Sox Twitter account. They posted a video about Bo. And what they did is either before or after their game against the Baltimore Orioles recently, they had something called the home run for life, where he started at home plate with a bat, he swung the bat, and he got to round the bases, and he got to high-five the Baltimore Orioles on his way to first, and then the Chicago White Sox, their entire team, on the way back home, getting to meet the players, and then running to hug his family. It was such a heartwarming thing to see. Indeed, I don't know if you saw this video of Bo uh, floating around social media at all, 
But I mean, it's just great when teams get to do something like this for kids. No, I, I, I have not seen that. Um, what else, anything else trending in our wide, wide, I know, I know that tonight we've got, uh, the Tampa Bay and avalanche, uh, game six, an opportunity for Tampa Bay to win yet another game and force a game seven. Um, any, any news coming out of uh, that game tonight? Uh, out of that game tonight, it looks like the game six status of Avs Andre Bur- Burakovsky and the lightning's Braden point are unclear at this moment. Um, both of them appear to be kind of day-to-day they're going to kind of wait and see to see what happens with both of those players but again if game six uh the avalanche win then they will win the stanley cup final if not then they will go on to a game seven later this week um so high stakes uh for the avalanche and the lightning and anita i've got one more story on my end and it's a quick Mm -hmm. story mark appel i don't know if you ever heard of him he was a former number one pitching prospect in the mlb um, drafted first overall by the Houston Astros, I believe, back in like 2013 or 2014, around that time frame. Um, he's at the age of 30 now and is yet to throw in a major league game. Hasn't even been called up to the big leagues until this very moment. And he was brought onto the Phillies roster, who he's now a member of, after kind of retiring, I guess you could say, from baseball after the 2019 or 2020 season. And then he came back into the minor leagues last season, kind of had a rocky year. But this year in the minors, he's 5-0 and with a 161 ERA in 19 minor league games. And the 30-year-old will finally get a chance to hopefully uh, make his MLB debut with the Phillies. Hopefully today, if not sometime later this week. But just a great story to see for a guy who's been through so much like trauma and injuries and going through some personal stuff as well, just to reach the top of his profession. You're always about the feel-good stories, Tom. I love it. Um, I've got two more that I'm going to add to uh, what's trending And these actually came out yesterday, or I should say on Friday, but still trending today. And that is, there's a possibility that Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor might have a rematch. And the payout could be nine figures for Floyd. Of course, uh, back in August of 2017, um, these dudes went 10 rounds. And of course, Floyd won won with a TKO. Uh, But there's a possibility that Floyd, Conor McGregor, could have a rematch coming in the next few months. I guess my question to you, Tom, I'm going to send this back to you, is would you pay $50, $100, $75, whatever it would be, uh, to watch Floyd and Connor box it out in a box? And it would be be boxing. It wouldn't be the octagon. It would be a boxing um, rematch. Would you pay $50, $75 to watch a rematch? Absolutely not. And here's why. We already saw the result happen once. Connor's not the greatest boxer. He belongs kind of in the octagon in UFC. Boxing isn't necessarily his forte. He's got the skill, but he's not going to beat Floyd. I mean, come on now. Like, this is just a cash cow for Floyd and for Connor to make some money. And for Floyd, you said this would be a nine-figure deal he would get? It would be. That's what they're reporting. (laughs) I know. So that's the only reason why he's going to make his return to boxing is so that way he can, again, get the money. So, no, I'm not going to watch the rematch. I don't want to give them my money because it's going to be a lackluster result. It's not going to be a great fight. I mean, like, even when he fought, it was either Jake or Logan Paul. Like, I was at least interested in that. I watched it with a buddy, and that was boring. That was a waste of time. I feel like it's all these spectacles in boxing where they build it up between, like, a clash of, like, two different, like, two different fighters from two different backgrounds, like... It, it's not the greatest fight. It's not entertaining at all. The buildup surely will be, but I can get that for free on Twitter if I really want to. Uh, last but not least, um, what was trending this week is Arch Manning 
grandson of Archie Manning, uh, nephew to Eli and Peyton Manning, signs with Texas. He's going to be the starting quarterback for Texas in 2023. He chose Texas over Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, LSU, and UVA. And so uh, not only is, is Arch the number one quarterback recruit coming out, but he's the number one player overall. So uh, just marinate in those genetics, would you?